0: Welcome to MCS Pentecost, Pentecostal podcast about theology and life in the Spirit, featuring both scholars and practitioners. MCS Pentecasts are produced by Master's College and Seminary in Ontario, Canada. I'm Van Johnson, Dean of Master's Pentecostal Seminary. What
1: is Oneness Pentecostalism? This is Peter Newman. In this second of a two-part interview, Dr. David Reed addresses this question by helping us understand some of the theological beliefs of Oneness Pentecostals, as well as encouraging pastors and theologians to be more patient listeners toward one another in an effort to promote more informed and sympathetic understanding within the Church in general. This interview was recorded in Springfield, Missouri, March 9, 2014.
2: Back in the third and fourth centuries, the debates.
1: Okay, so let me just sorry, let me just pause you here for a moment. So, because uh, just just for the listeners, um, we, so we just summarize a lot of history, and 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 uh, and in your book, all that would all be detailed and outlined. At, at this point, um, really, we're moving into talking about uh, the th- theology. What? What? How is it that one of us Pentecostals? Talk about the Trinity, or what has been the charges, you know, against them, that saying you're not Trinitarian, and and you're about to bring up an early Christian debate about Sabellianism and yes. whatever that that term means. Yes. So okay, so so tell us about that. We, we again we've got the history, but but what about uh, what about the theology? How is it that they understand the Trinity, um, and, and and relating it to, to this? what uh, you're, you're going to say about Sabellianism.
2: Yeah. Okay, the I'm going to start there, and then say what they believe okay. because in the 3rd uh, and 4th centuries a lot of the debate around the doctrine of the Trinity and the nature of God and Christ was to show the distinction between the God the Father and God the Son or the Logos right. the word the distinctions within the Trinity and whereas what was going on here they were fighting to defend the full deity of Christ and show not the, distinct, the eternal distinction between the Father and the Son, but rather that this one Jesus is, in his divine nature, is perfectly the, the one God, Yahweh. Right. Now, so they've built uh, a plant to talk about the, in, in, the in, in the doctrine, to talk about the, or to build a doctrine of God around the unity or the oneness of this Jesus with the with Yahweh God. okay with Yahweh know, with God yes so but what happens is that in the interest of that they would say they believe in a in a father Son and Holy Spirit the, in a triune God but the only thing they reject is that in God's very being and nature he is not there is not a distinction of persons. They have to understand they misunderstood. The the Greek under the nuances that they were thinking much more in uh, modern terms of person, three consciousness, and so on, and that was offensive or repugnant to them in terms of the centrality of Christ. That just was too much. But But because uh, it
1: might it might depreciate who Jesus was in their mind, they wanted to make sure we understood Jesus as supreme divinity.
2: One of the great passages for them is, "Please God that in Christ should all the fullness." Of the Godhead dwell bodily, not just a third. Right. And they loved. If I could give another historical note, uh, J. Monroe Gibson was a Presbyterian, a British Presbyterian, who worked with D. L. Moody in uh, some period when he came to America. And uh, they in in this, in the eighteen eighties and eighteen nineties he was writing, and he was very so Christocentric on this. He said, "You will never discover the Trinitarian God by exploring." first the Father, then the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. He said, you will only know the true triune God by looking through the face of Jesus. And okay. they loved that. And some of the, Frank Ewart and one or two others uh, literally quoted that without qualification. And they said, that's that's what we believe, basically. Okay. Okay. So, uh, uh, they, the term... So, 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 so you have an ancient
1: heresy rejected by the church called Sabellianism, in which God Uh, what takes on three faces type type of idea. It's one God but behind three masks. Modalism is is a technical term. And and oneness Pentecostals have been charged with this, that there's this God behind the scenes. So we never really get to know God. All we know is these masks that he puts on. But you're saying that's not what oneness, that's not how we need to understand oneness Pentecostals. Well,
2: when the uh, Assemblies of God went through their process uh, and the oneness were there, of course, they were all part in 1916, the label that they placed on them to define them as, as heretical and therefore uh, expunge them from the movement was the label Sabellianism. Uh, now, one is reject that for two... Uh, for a primary reason. One is that the historic civilianism that we, at least what we understand, was sequential, that the Father first appears, then the Son appears, and then uh, then later on the Holy Spirit appears. So if there's anything civilian, it would be... it's simultaneous. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit... Uh, are, is God in in salvation history in revelation right. uh, and uh, and we, they, they have no problem with that the more general term as you say would be some form of modalism okay. uh, and it just means that that God has revealed himself as Father, Son and Holy Spirit and they fully accept that it just that in his very being uh, it detracts from the centrality of Christ number one as we've already said secondly they take a very Particular view of the Shema in Deuteronomy, here uh, Israel, the Lord our God right. is one, yes. and they said that is not a composite unity, which is what is later understood in uh, or it reinterpreted, but actually God is a monad in is one okay. without distinctions in His being. Uh, so now we yeah. understand that. The other th- reason why it doesn't fit is that in the uh, you pointed out in Sabellianism. In there are three masks of so the three faces but in the uh, uh, with but the God behind them you don't know because in that dualistic platonic world the deity behind those faces is a kind of an impersonal deity right. that you really can't access that right. you only know the faces and uh, uh, I've often said that there's no red-blooded Pentecostal uh, Trinitarian or oneness would ever think that there's there's just an impersonal God because Behind the, the historical right. present, that right. there is the real God of power and mercy and love that we know from the scriptures. Right. So the label doesn't even fit at that level. Okay. You see, and uh, so we we need to rethink, you know, how we do theology. Uh, if you you can do it simplistically without looking carefully at a movement, and you take a label from you know fifteen hundred years ago and stick it on a movement because right. of what. What appears to be some similarities, but in fact you're missing a major piece where th- that actually could give some reproach. Okay, so
1: you're asking us then to look at oneness Pentecostals as, let's say, a, as uh, classical uh, larger Pentecostal groups, or as evangelical groups, or or broader Christianity. Uh, let's let's not simply put oneness Pentecostalism to the side and say, well, that's that's a heresy, same as you know, from centuries ago. Yes. No, th- no, you're saying that. Take a more careful look here at what they're saying. Yes. Uh, the word, some words might sound similar, but that's not what's going on. Yep, you need to take a, a more careful look at this. Look at this in a in a different light. Uh, all right. So uh, that's a pile of stuff. We've got history and theology, and uh, let, let's move. Uh, let's move where the rubber meets the road. Then for for uh, our listeners um you know so I'm a Pentecostal pastor evangelical pastor uh, or just Christian interested in understanding uh, these other uh, Christian movements oneness, Pentecostalism um what what is what, what's the takeaway here uh, for us what, what what how is this helpful for us um in, in this new understanding seeing them in a new light and maybe you could go a little bit more into that like how how do you go about seeing people in a different light how do we understand? Uh, one another how do we understand one of the costals?
2: yes well it really messes with your mind okay <laughs> uh, if you were a, a mormon and you listened listen some uh you went to one of their services and so on you could hear some traditional hymns or jehovah's witness but you would hear a whole lot of things that are just so far from where you are
1: right. that
2: it would it, it, you'd say that's something else Okay. But when you gather together as fellow Pentecostals, and there happens to be some oneness people there worshiping with you, uh, and as we experienced the other night, uh, a, a, a chorale of oneness people singing hymns that we all know, okay. uh, you, you realize that you are worshiping together with a, a, some people where there is resemblance between you and them right. and resonance. Right. there's something in the heart to say yeah that's us and we're them in some ways and then they get up and find you know what they're preaching you say oops it's there's something different
1: something here. different too <laughs> but, okay. uh,
2: yeah. but it is that sense of resonance and the resemblance that we have to unpack much more carefully rather than simply the rarefied doctrinal labels that we put on on people and so one of the distinctions that, that is used classically is the difference between a heresy and a heterodoxy. Okay. And a heterodoxy uh, is where they may speak different languages, uh, or diff- you have different ter- terminology, and in fact have different teachings, but those teachings are not necessarily outside the bounds of what we call the mainstream Christian gospel. Right. One st- can still experience... Uh, the gospel, in that context, right. uh, a classical heresy is where the doctrine is so far out that it does not have gospel DNA, if you understand. Right. Uh, but here, here there, here there is, and that, what I want to argue, one level, one place where I could argue is that we're dealing with heterodoxy, and I like to say that anybody wants to stand up and say I've got my doctrine perfectly. Yeah. And lying, then I would just say that you may want to then go join the Catholic Church or uh, uh, apply to be the next pope. Okay. because <laughs> none of us are fallible; they're infallible. We all have a little false doctrine in our. In other words, we recognize that uh, what we call adiaphora, the um, non-essentials. There, that there, you know, there's Wesleyans and there's Reformed. You know, there's right. uh, paedobaptists. You know, and it, baptism and the and believer's baptism. And so we have uh, lots of different views. And we have had bad habits, frankly, even within those groups of labeling each other's uh, heretics. Okay. And we want, to, we want to get away from that. So if we would just uh, dial down some of the rhetoric and some of the exclusivity, okay. uh, like some of the fundamentalist apologetic ap- apologists will, uh, for instance, T.D. Jakes, people will recognize his name. He is now Trinitarian, officially. But for most of his ministry, up until a year or so ago, he he was uh, he was oneness. Okay. Uh, and uh, so uh, he's uh, the kind of he's the kind of person that I have read about him where they have said this man uh, ought to. You don't want to listen to his teaching. Don't want to watch his television program. He is dangerous. Right. Well, that's crazy.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. yeah. So it's just yeah. a, a hypersensitivity. To, to areas of, of differences between really uh, within the broad camp of Christianity being too hypersensitive toward groups that don't quite yeah. say things the way we say them that's or right. they have different expressions of worship. And yet they're not outside what we would consider Orthodox Christianity. Exactly. Now, there are other, are other groups that are outside, yeah. but, but it will have to be a lot more severe. Yeah. Yeah. A lot more severe. But, but I
2: think that's a challenge for us to... To, to begin to move to that next stage uh, of, uh, uh, of acceptance. If I could add, part of what complicates things is that many, not all, but many of the oneness groups that we know are themselves exclusive. They don't like the fellowship of the Trinitarians. Okay, okay. And so it becomes a mutually exclusive double club here. Right, right, right. And uh, I, I would like to add the important thing is that some of the groups that we are familiar with are exclusive. They will share at many levels, but they are also, they will not share much the platform, if you like, and, right. the, and the pulpits. Uh, but there are many oneness who, uh, who fellowship right across the board and say, this is what we believe, this is what we practice, but this is not a church dividing issue for us. Okay. okay. All right. And uh, in Canada in particular, you now have the Apostolic Church of Pentecost, which started Way back in, ni- you know, 1920 or whenever. and uh, in fact, Franklin Small in the West was one of the uh, signatories for the uh, for the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Yeah. But because it went Trinitarian, he uh, started his own organization, and they are called they are called Apostolics uh, Apostolic Church of Pentecost. But they are much more open, much more uh, fellowship. They took in 1958. They took a uh, uh, a trinitarian group uh, in a small trinitarian group into their fellowship, and they will use the language to try unity rather than oneness. Okay. They are, but Franklin Small was one of the early architects of the uh, of the, uh, the the oneness movement way back in the teens. So we learn something
1: about ourselves that we all like to exclude somebody. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> and and uh, so, so uh, what I'm hearing here is is uh, is a, a Plea for some patience here, for a need for listening carefully yes, to one another, it. as opposed to just hearing somebody say, "Oh, that's the that's the red alert word that's you right, use." Yeah. So now, now I'm not going to listen to you anymore. But rather, uh, let's be patient in our listening. Let's re let's recognize. Oh, boys, in some ways, it sound like us. Is there you know can can we be open to this type of thing? Uh, that that is, I think, helpful for. Christians in general, uh, for pastors, um, especially now as we more and more are confronted with the recognition of the the global diversity, yes, uh, which we're yeah, faced with. Yeah. Any final uh, thoughts, just uh, with, with regard to the practical, uh, the value out of out of your work and uh, out of this whole discussion we've had for for ministers, for uh, Pentecostal evangelical
2: ministers, or just Christians in general that are interested in this whole area. Well, I'll have to have to say that. We are at a new time, and the, uh, I've experienced it. Uh, when you look at Global Pentecost, just the last 10 years, there's been uh, an awareness and a, and a, and a, uh, and a rapid growth uh, of Christianity in the global East and South. Okay. Uh, and in what we call the majority world. And the majority of that growth is Pentecostal charismatic. So we are going to be rubbing shoulders more and more with the, uh, with Pentecostals and charismatics of varieties of stripes. And you're going to run into some oneness Pentecostals in some parts of the world. Okay. And uh, so as they are growing, there are 15 to 20, maybe more, million oneness people in the world. So 3 million in Ethiopia alone, the largest oneness group in the world. Now, uh, so we're going to be rubbing shoulders, and we should actually be giving more consideration to listening to one another. But I would also like to commend that uh, uh, it is of the worldly variety to say, well, they don't like us, therefore we don't like them. They will not fellowship with us, so we will not reach out to them. And I frankly think that there's a more Christian way for us to deal with this. It's interesting that I, in some way, I appear to be so removed from the movement because of my background, and uh, and I have had to endure uh, evangelism uh, sermons to, toward me in some of my uh, work in the last few years, uh, working with uh, uh, not, not a Western but a Chinese Wonders group. Uh, but uh, I I feel I have felt the pain of a group where I knew that personally. This was my spiritual, this is the home of my spiritual birth okay. and therefore I cannot turn my back on it and say, no, these weren't these aren't Christians because it just is not the case. Wow. And if, if that is the case, then we have a responsibility, even if they choose for in some case their own doctrine, their purity of doctrine, not to fellowship with us, we need to begin to build bridges. Of of uh, of unity uh, through 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 fellowship and welcome and hospitality in whatever small ways we can, and I'm convinced that over a period of time, as we all begin to reflect on our own traditions and the messiness with it in our own yes. practices, we have doctrines that that frankly, if you want to put the heresy label uh, on it, uh, wouldn't we wouldn't we wouldn't survive Uh, and and yet we don't allow the same tolerance for uh, another group so we do need to listen a lot more we need to be patient uh i i think and and i do hope and pray that over a period of time whatever it takes is not my problem but i do have a responsibility to begin to build those uh those bridges of hospitality and as they do they begin to soften hearts, I think, across the board, as well as cre- uh, create better understandings of what we are saying and what we are not saying. Okay, this is this
1: is wonderful. You have done a pile of work on, uh, in, in, in not only tracing the history and theology of oneness Pentecostalism, but um, practical outcome is uh, it helps us to recognize uh, there is a there is a big. Christian family out there and uh, this call for listening and being patient doesn't doesn't mean we have to agree on everything but uh, but be patient and um, and one day in the eschaton the Lord will sort this all out for us and and uh, and we'll recognize where we were right and the many places in which we we uh, had it wrong I I want to uh, just express my appreciation so much for you taking the time to uh, tell us about your book. Again, Again, the name of the book is In Jesus' Name, The History and Theology of Oneness Pentecostalism by Dale, published in 2008. And uh, so, Dr. David Reed, thank you so much for spending this time sharing with us. Really appreciate it.
2: You're welcome, and I'm glad to be able to be part of it.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this episode of MCS Pentecost, podcast produced by Masters College and Seminary. MCS Pentecosts are available online at mcs.edu and also through iTunes Podcasts. Masters College and Seminary offers biblical, theological, and practical courses from a Pentecostal perspective at both undergrad and graduate levels. For more information on graduate courses offered through the seminary in Toronto, Canada, visit mpseminary.com. For undergrad courses at Master's College in Peterborough, please visit mcs.edu.